Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Introducing Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer. Blending the smooth, creamy nitro taste of Guinness with hints of coffee, chocolate, and caramel. Guinness Nitro Cold Brew Coffee Beer, your new favorite part of the day. Look for it where Guinness is sold. Must be 21 and over to purchase. Please enjoy responsibly. Diageo Beer Company, New York, New York. 
At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch, now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture, and when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space, just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in-store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only excludes Alaska and Hawaii. It's another film study and a short week, so uh, podcast is out a little early because the Ravens played early this week. Uh, Thursday night, victory, week 15, uh, 21-42 over the Jets. Kim McCusick, how you doing? Life's good, Josh. How are you doing? I'm doing good. You you always hate when I put when I read the the loser score first. You like to have the yes. you like to have Ravens first, the 42 to 21 victory. It's it's always it's always it does happen to be Ravens now first, but it should always be. Winner, loser, and then the who won. Right. Well, you say it happens to be Ravens now. It's been the Ravens for like three months. Yes. So, in fact, did you see the stat today that the last Baltimore team to lose a game were the Orioles? Yes, that's a good one. And that they, I, our, you know, our trainer told us the same thing. And he said if the if the Ravens go through and win the Super Bowl without losing one of these next two, that they would, uh, the Orioles would be the next team. To lose a game as well <laughs> that is true that's true but i mean no matter what the orioles are going to win lose hundreds of games compared to the ravens so it all plays out uh joining us tonight we've got coach back coach how you doing i'm doing fine how about yourself can't complain glad to be back glad to be back all right well guys uh this is going to be a fun game to talk about because the ravens it was what the third or fourth time this season that Lamar didn't have to play in the fourth quarter and they could set him for a while they they still eat for the guys out there gambling they still got the big cover taken care of but yeah that uh, that uh, spread moved up all the way to 17 by game time it was 14 and a half when it when it first began but uh, yeah I think everybody got covered if they had the Ravens all right but before we talk about and really get into that game uh, we want Coach to share again about his YouTube channel. Um, well, it's Sip the Tally Films, and it's basically a t- channel with Baltimore Ravens where I break down the good, the bad and, bad, and the ugly of the game. And it's been a lot of good lately, and I've been, I have to nitpick for bad and ugly. But uh, I still get in there and, and try to you know, give you an unbiased op- opinion on what I see during the game. And then once the season's over with, I get into uh, draft coverage of a bunch of kids that, you know, we should draft or other teams should draft. Just give you a, a bunch of draft knowledge on some college kids that uh, people that don't watch college football uh, know about. All right. So go on in there, subscribe to that YouTube channel, and uh, continue to follow it. And, guys, I want to interrupt one more time before we get to the game because the news all over Twitter today is the Cardinals releasing Terrell Suggs. And, of course, everyone in Baltimore wants him back. Uh is that really likely? Is there a chance, even? I mean, I'd say there is a chance. I think it's it's quite possible the Ravens will put in a claim for him. They have some things to consider, and I wanted to discuss some of these with Coach in terms of, you know, maybe upsetting the locker room and of other factors. I mean, let's just start at the at the very most basic level. Can Terrell Suggs help this team? I think he could help the team as from a, from a depth standpoint because we don't have a. 
uh, premier pass rusher, other than, you know, Judon is probably ascending to that. But as far as um, his savvy, his his smarts, he could help. But, you know, I'm not, I don't think I'm with the consensus of just, hey, bring him back right now. I got a little bit of different opinion because I don't really like the way he left. But we can talk about that a little later. Well, sure, we get, we get to it any order you want here. Don't both, don't be afraid to bring up the next point. One one of the poss- one of the problems with this is he's got to go through this waiver claim process first. And so, thirty one other teams, because the Ravens are in the nice position they're in now, have the chance to to get him first. That includes playoff competitors of the Ravens, like Kansas City and New England. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's likely that either of those teams, for example, might pick him up just to deny him to the Ravens? I think New England would do it. Would do it because you notice all the moves we had. You know, picking up some of their players, and they picked up some of ours right before we played them. So I think if anybody does it, it would be uh, New England. Yeah, probably a pretty good chance there. Kansas City. I, I can't imagine that they want to face any better pass rush from the Ravens. That's really the Ravens' problem. And you mentioned it that they don't really have a premier pass rusher. They tried it a little bit in this Jets game, and they were completely ineffective rushing four. Mm-hmm. They really don't have to get critical mass of pass rush. They need to rush more or they need to rush with deception. One of the yep. two. And, and when you always have to scheme for pressure and you can never sit back, it's kind of like a way of being undeceptive as in the opposing quarterback can always look for a hot read somewhere on a play, knowing that a blitzer is coming or, uh, you know, look at five guys, the line of scrimmage and say, there's a pretty good chance all five of those are coming. And if not, someone else is. And it puts a lot of pressure on the pressure on the DBs also. Yeah. And they've been up to it so far largely. They had a little bit of a tough game here against the Jets. We'll talk about that a little later. But you know, how would you compare this? We go, go back. The, the return from injury of Ray Lewis in 2012, while a tremendous phenomenon unto itself in the Baltimore area in terms of just how excited we were to get him back, ended up being actually a pretty marginal player they got back. And they, they got a savvy player. He picked up a bunch of tackles during the mm-hmm. postseason, but he didn't really play well during the postseason. Right. If, if I remember correctly, uh, when Ray came back from injury, he, like you said, he was a heady guy, but Joe Flacco was the guy that took went on to another level. Yeah. So, and yeah. I, I don't know if he, you know, Ray coming back and they knowing that was his last go round, that kind of, you know, put Joe on another level or not, you know, but I feel like if Suggs did come, that could, that could happen. You could have yeah. guys, you know, want to play for him and play harder for him and to send him out in that same kind of way because, you know, despite how I completely feel about the way he lived, he is a Baltimore legend. And I would love mm-hmm. to see him in the purple and black again. Yeah, well, me too. And, I, you know, I look back to, the, to Ray's last three plays in the NFL, and they really are on the same level. In fact, I think they're at a much higher level than Ted Williams homering in his last at bat, which is kind of thought of often as the greatest departure ever for a player is is for for that to happen. And and Williams in particular being as great as he was, it was a special moment. But but when you think about it, Ray Lewis was on the field for the three play stand beginning on second five and then third and five, fourth and five, where they kept the 49ers out of the end zone from taking the lead in the Super Bowl in the last two minutes. Mm hmm. And it would have been not impossible, but difficult for the Ravens to come back from that. It would have been another challenge for them to, them to face. And it, in my mind, is the greatest ever departure of an athlete in any sport in terms of his last 
plays in the game. And he made a very significant contribution to each of those plays, which I've detailed in past articles. We don't need to go over it again. But I, I think Suggs has some of that ability, being the heady player that he is, to help the Ravens in a number of ways. One thing the Ravens have been pretty bad at this year, Judon is a slight exception to this, but most of the Ravens have been pretty bad at diagnosing the screen pass. Mm-hmm. And it'd be nice to get some of that back. Um, it'd be nice to get a little bit of Suggs' run defense yep. in again. They had some problems holding the edge. Ferguson has been a bit better, especially in this last game. Another thing we'll talk about a little later. Um, I wonder what's the best way to use Terrell Suggs at this point now. So let's say you could have Terrell Suggs and he, and he can give you 25 snaps a game right now. How do you how would you how do you deploy that? I, I think the biggest thing Terrell Suggs would do for us is mentor and tutor Ferguson. That that you know he give us his 10 to 15, maybe 20 snaps, but the biggest thing that would help us now and going forward is Ferguson would get to see how Terrell Suggs works and maybe even get you know some moves from Terrell Suggs. Sees how he prepares, sees how he watch films, see how he uh, you know defends, how he bull rushes and, and spins and do all the other stuff because Ferguson has to find a diff- a move to go with his bull rush and no, who better to learn from than Terrell Suggs. Yeah, that, that would be a great one. I think McPhee also is a guy who plays with very violent hands and would be a good guy for Ferguson to learn from because he's clearly a big, powerful guy. Mm-hmm. And with long arms, having violent hands is very valuable, obviously. Suggs is a similar player in terms of stature as well, you know, a taller guy with, with longer arms. I think there's all kinds of things he could teach Ferguson. And, and uh, in particular, in terms of run defense, I mean, there's a million things he could improve on there. It's definitely Ferguson is one of two players on the Ravens that I really want to see spend time on his career this offseason. He and Boykin probably have the most to step forward to in terms of learning their positions on offense and defense. I agree with that. I agree with that. And we saw a little glimpse of Boykin last night with that TD. I was happy for him. But uh, on the defensive side, I think think the sky's the limit for him. He just has to continue to um, progress. And, you know, getting with Suggs would be a, a major plus for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think normally if you have a player earlier on in his career, I don't think he's necessarily as willing to teach everything he knows to another player. In mm-hmm. part, you're teaching it to this guy who's just going to take your spot. But this is obviously the last ride for Suggs. At least I think it's, it's obvious. I don't think there's any plan to play in 2020. Right, I agree with you 100% on that. So if that's the case, you know, first of all, he should be polishing up his resume for a coaching career if he has any interest in that. Now, he may want to be an action movie guy or do whatever else he does, because I know he's got a bunch of businesses. Mm-hmm. But, but uh, you know, this this is an opportunity to, to, to prove that you can teach a young player something very, very distinct. Is his personality, though, too big to bring back to a team that largely is balanced and has a leader already? I don't think so. I don't think so. I, th- I think they would welcome him back in with open arms. And within a week or two, he'd be back to being in that inner circle of guys that, that lead the team. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, having seen Terrell on the practice field, one thing is they, there's a three-field area they're on, and they're often divided out onto two but not three. But wherever you are around that field, you always know where Suggs is because his voice is the loudest. You can hear it from a field and a half away You kind of think. Uh He'll say things that are funny, and he'll intentionally say them very loud so that everyone can hear. It's just, <laughs> it's hilarious. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, I'm I, I would be very excited to get him back. I don't know if it'll happen. 
uh, and I'm with you that I don't think it would really create a locker room issue. But t- tell me, what's your reservation about taking him back based on the way he left? When he left, and this is all, this is my opinion, so there's probably no truth to it. I just felt like he didn't have confidence in Lamar, so he decided to, you know, go somewhere else. Because he could, he could, he. I think what he made in, in uh, Arizona, the Ravens were willing to pay him that. I just, I didn't think he. I think he was a Joe Flacco guy, which is nothing wrong with with being a Joe Flacco guy, because uh, he spent a lot of, you know, good years with Flacco. I just didn't think he thought Lamar could take them to this level, and maybe, you know, he just said, well, I just go home and play, and whether we win or not, I'm in a, my my environment. Now, remember, we talked about Bart Scott a couple months ago had a quote from Terrell Suggs uh, when he was on a radio interview saying that the reason Suggs went to the Cardinals is because he knew he was getting more money than he was worth and he cared too much about the Ravens to steal from them. I I heard that one. You know what else is that is that he said he thought that if Ozzy was still the GM, that they would have been able to come to a deal. Hmm. So lots of things were said. I don't know what to believe, but but do we really care at this point? Because let's say he didn't. Let's say he was in the Joe Flacco camp. Anybody who's watched the 2019 season now understands whatever their previous, you know, <laughs> concerns were that Lamar is is a Super Bowl quarterback. Exactly. So I mean, I I just I I have my restraints about that, but I'd welcome him back if he if he signed in two minutes. I'd be all for it. I'm just I'm I'm thrilled to death about it and and if there's I I don't think the chance is zero that they'll get him. I think that New England and Kansas City are going to look at at Suggs the player mm-hmm. and say he's not the player he was even maybe at the beginning of this year when he had two sacks in the opener. He said he's acquired I don't know what he has six and a half sacks or something for the year. Mm-hmm. But he's uh he's had a uh not great year. And he's been very unsugs like in terms of missing tackles, whether you use PFF or the uh, um, pro football reference numbers, mm-hmm. hasn't had a good year in, in that sense. So it might be that New England, Kansas City says, sure, let them have Suggs. They want yeah. to pay for Suggs, go ahead. It, what he'll bring to, the, to them, they, they would need him as a player. Mm-hmm. We, we would need him as an inspirational uh, a guy, a um, situational guy. They would need him to to almost be an old Suggs like, you know, because especially if they play us, we just gonna need him to be a situational guy, a leader, and a, a inspirational guy. What what about the notion that Suggs could give away something about the way the Baltimore organization operates that they don't already know? You still gotta stop it. You still gotta stop it. That's that's and they you can know the calls. And and New England probably knows the calls anyway because they film everybody. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> you still you still got to stop it. You still got to stop it. And it's 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 one thing to know, and it's another thing to know the nuances of it and, and and shut it down. And I don't think there's anything that he could give away because there's so many new guys on defense. Mm-hmm. There's so many new guys. He he won't know tendencies of of, of Vines or or Peco or or um. Or, or Peters, he he won't know their tendencies to give to, to give that away. All right, well, fair enough. That's uh, those are those are new guys certainly, and they uh, he doesn't know all those. Anything they can tell him about Jahad Ward, the Patriots anyway, they know probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so uh, we're both on board with Suggs coming back, and the price is not is not too bad, as I understand it. It'll be three two seventeenths of three million is what they'd have to pay Suggs. 
Okay. So we're not talking about a lot of money, about $353,000. And, uh, you know, just seems like a, a, a pretty decent bargain at that price. They, for, they've uh, wasted that money on much worse. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but you, you can't go by your worst purchase. You have to decide if this is a good purchase, each one. So right. I won't worry about my sunk well, cost. Just take that salary, add it to Lamar, and you would still be making a good deal again to yeah. you know uh, that that ma- massive right cannot make up for a lot of other wrongs so let's avoid the other wrongs but anyway um i won't beat you up over that need need to have uh, uh need to see what that is we won't find out i understand till monday when the waiver claim process happens whether or not the ravens uh, uh can have him it was pointed out the ravens don't even need to make a claim on him since they're 32nd they can just go ahead and sign him on the second day Mm-hmm. on the day after but they uh they also could could go ahead and uh and sign one other person suggested that if kansas city or new england signs him that suggs may just say you know what i didn't want to play for you guys i'm retiring which I'm, i don't even know that he would he probably would play you know get another chance at the playoffs mm-hmm. um, but if he retired then they could stick him on a retired list and uh and prevent him from signing with us still yeah so. they, they could they could do that they could, but I I just think he would um he wouldn't play. Yeah. All right. So you think he wouldn't play for New England or Kansas City? I don't think so. Okay. See, I do, and here's the reason: Terrell Suggs is like one sack, or maybe it's one and a half off of the all-time NFL playoff record. So oh. he could get that with anybody. Okay. And that's a that's certainly a possibility. And I don't know if that motivates him. I mean, he picked up seven what I think are essentially meaningless sacks and deferred his Hall of Fame induction by a year by playing this miserable year at Arizona. But she may have enjoyed or he may not have. But but anyway, it's a, it's a he's a year further removed from the Hall of Fame for it. But it would be really weird to see him and Brady on the same sideline. Right. Right. <laughs> Extremely difficult. Yeah, go go around to the pump and inflate some of those balls for Brady and see if we can <laughs> reverse the trend. All right. Uh Let's move on. We need to talk about this game a little bit. Obviously, the win over the Jets, uh, a win the Ravens kind of presumed they would have, I think. They didn't, fortunately, take it lightly. They won big. And, uh, you know, in most facets of the game, they were pretty good. I'm not too happy about about how they looked on defense and how they got it done, though. And uh, let's start with the pass rush. Okay. So ample time and space on 9 of 33 dropbacks. Not terrible. 27%. The, what was... Difficult was that Darnold made great plays when he had ample time and space, much of long plays, but he also made good plays when he's running around away from pressure. I think his I think his best plays were when he was uh, scrambling. I think his best plays were scrambling, and and they did a good Crowder Crowder did a good job of working scramble drill with him, and then when he was able to make plays straight from the pocket, the other kid was the guy he was going to or uh, number eleven, whatever his name is. Number eleven. That's Anderson. Yep. Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, they have they have a confusing set of receivers because they have Anderson Crowder. I guess people know by now, but they, and then they have two Smiths, sixteen and seventeen, and they're kind of difficult to <laughs> difficult to keep track of for me anyway. Uh, yeah, increasing um, uh, numbers of pass rushers really helped the Ravens in this game. So they they did some with each of four through seven pass rushers. I want to get to the numbers here, so I'm, I'm reporting them accurately here. Uh, let's make sure I've got this. Okay, so with four pass rushers, they did that 16 of 33 of the individual pass rushers, and they gave 135 yards, 8.4 per play, and they had one turnover. That was, I believe that was Clark's interception. Mm-hmm. 
with five pass rushers, 10 plays, 65 yards, six and a half, one sack, one turnover. Not great, not terrible. Six and a half yards per pass is about normal for the NFL these days. Uh, with six pass rushers or seven, I'm just going to put six or seven together. They had seven plays, seven yards, 1.0 per play. So they really got it done when they went to more pass rushers in this game. And that's been a recent phenomenon that numbers have really helped. Definitely helped in Buffalo a lot. They they really used the wind to their advantage by using numbers and, and uh, getting more pressure on Allen. Uh, but they did a good job this week also against Darnold. Yeah, the, the best defenses have uh, a front four or a front three that can get home without blitzing, and we, we don't have that, so we have to throw numbers at them. We have That's to throw it. numbers at them. They, they, they do it because they have to. That is really there. And believe me, Martindale is not like is, is not unlike the other defensive coordinators in this league. He would love to have the 49ers four-man pass rush and not have to rush five or six and scheme and do all that stuff. He might still do it a little bit, but but he wouldn't do it nearly as often if he had their front four. He'd, be, he'd love to be dropping seven and daring other quarterbacks to throw at their defense. All right. I had a guy that was trolling me about the 49ers game. And so I sent him a message, and obviously he didn't reply. I was like, well, how many sacks did Bosa have versus the pass-happy Saints? Because you was complaining about, you know, how we ran it up on you. And he never replied to me, because I don't think Bosa had a huge game against the Saints either, and they threw the ball all over the place. Right. They were, They didn't have a read-option quarterback, did they? So that uh, – the, 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 that was really what the Ravens did to the to the 49ers is make those edge defenders vestigial with their like appendixes with their uh, uh, letting them into the pocket. And then, oh, you're suddenly short a run defender on that side. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Let's continue on here. So talked about numbers a little bit. OK, this was something. The first half, they gave up seven instances of ample time and space. Seven of the nine were in the first half when when Darnold. Wasn't great, but he but he wasn't terrible either. And they they uh, made adjustments at halftime and rushed more numbers to not have as many four man rushes. Only three times in the second half they rushed four men after thirteen times in the first half, and they really shut down the Jets defense more or less in that second half, preventing them from converting those third down that, that Harbaugh was complaining about. They were six for nine at halftime. Uh, they did some with deceptive elements: thirteen blitzes, seven stunts, five two man drops. That's a moderate amount, but I would have guessed with a younger quarterback that they would have tried either more deception or more numbers. And uh, it just surprised me that the pass rush was as timid as it was in this game. From the looks of it, from looking at the um, the television version, it looked like um, Wink was trying stuff out, trying to see what would work better for them. It seemed like he was searching for uh, like a, a good lineup to, to get pass rush on. And so until he, you know, I really think he was just probing for the future. Not necessarily because their game was, the offense was clicking and they were scoring. So I think he was just probing for the future to kind of see what would work and who plays well off who and whatnot. Okay. So the future this year. Yes. Of yes. Who will do that? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, yeah, that could be. Um, awful lot of, of plain vanilla four-man rush in that first half for that to be the case. And, you know, there's, we've had this discussion before, but yeah, I know you know it was true long before you had it with me, was that there's four-man rushes and there's four-man rushes. You can drop two and, and blitz two others, mm-hmm. and that could be a hellacious four-man rush with an overload on one side, or you can just rush the four you show them, 
Right. And that can be pretty vanilla, and, and they'll almost always be able to stop that up unless you've got Joey Bosa or Nick Bosa or somebody good to uh, get in there. Exactly. They um they did a, a, a okay job of – they were vanilla, uh, like, for the most part. But they did an okay job of throwing some things out there that I had not seen before that um, was going to make um, Cleveland have to spend time working on. Give me an example of that. Um, they, let's see, they had, they had a set and I don't remember the exact personnel where, um, Judon was walking and I think like basically playing middle linebacker. Yeah. And, um, he kind of rushed from the mic position. I think he maybe stunned with, uh, with, uh, Peco or Ward maybe that was playing nose that, that play. Maybe it was one of those two guys. I don't think it was Pierce or. Or Williams, I think it was one of the smaller guys. And to me, that was a different look. That now Cleveland has to, you know, okay, what are we gonna do if if Judon go to moving around and whatnot? So this is this is something they gotta spend time on. It's a different look for me because I haven't seen Judon do that. I've yeah. seen him either come from left or right. Yeah, it's been the, the the last either two or three games, but definitely a lot at Buffalo. They had standing inside linebacker Judon in this game as well. But I want to say he's probably done it. Most of the times they've had the race car package on the field with four outside linebackers because then he's they don't need him to set the edge. So bringing him off the line of scrimmage is another way to mess up assignments. So mm-hmm. I think of it as kind of like a cross blitz, even though there's not necessarily a second inside linebacker crossing with him. Mm-hmm. But he can cross the face of as many offensive linemen as he would like to to try and get them thinking about, wait a minute, is he my assignment or is, or is the guy I'm blocking my current assignment? And that's just... I th- I always think that's a good thing when you get the other offensive linemen thinking about what's what's right and what's wrong. Right. And uh, yeah, yeah, I I agree with you. I think that'll be very effective come the playoffs. I hope they stick with it. And I think it's a, the best reason that I can come up with why you stick with that current uh, four outside linebacker, one defensive line package because it gives you all that flexibility to effectively move Judon back to middle linebacker. Mm-hmm. I remember them doing a lot of that last year. And having Suggs, Smith, Judon, and then one of the D tackles on the field in past situations. Yes, they they would do they would do three mm-hmm. outside linebackers. And that's kind of the standard they've had for several years. The 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 four outside linebacker package they did in 2018 for the first time, and they did it they did it three times with five and three times with four, and those six plays were wildly successful. So the first game they had like sack interception sack on the three plays, and the second game. I know all six plays had no positive gains. That's they had good. no positive gains on any of them. And then they mothballed it after three weeks of the season. They didn't bring it out again. I'm like, you know, why not? But <laughs> but they brought they brought it back this year, and they've they've made it really the standard package now is to have those four outside linebackers with one uh, one big guy on the field. You know, it's uh, Bowser's helped with that too. His his play has has came along since being called out. Yeah, he's so good. I mean, he really has. This, this That sack fumble, 11, that was a fast rush. That was a mm-hmm. pass rusher's rush to bend around the uh, the outside of it. And it's not a good right tackle, but still, it's it's a, it's a an NFL right tackle. Mm-hmm. I agree 100%. He, he's just, he he's so athletic. And, and once he runs or rushes with technique, he's hard to block. He's hard to get, get hands on, especially when he gets a good dip. If he gets low enough, He's mm-hmm. real hard to get hands on. And then he has the, the footwork to kind of cross you over, so to speak, a basketball move if you try, if you try to pass that too far. Oh, okay. 
So what what would be his move then? Is to 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 go inside on the on the tackle who tra- who steps too far out? Yes, the the guys that kick that kick too fast, trying to get too much depth. Mm-hmm. He would uh you know kind of kind of get them get inside move and get inside of them. All right. Tell t- how do you, you how do you teach a outside linebacker to force that defensive tackle to take steps backwards even when he's playing you more or less straight up? Can you go side to side on him in a way that will cause him to go back left back right? Initially, you just got to beat him with speed to get him, you know. In his mind, okay, I got to get dipped. I got to get dipped. I got to get dipped. And you got to get him with speed, beat him with speed. Then you can come with an inside move, or you can, you know, get, you know, start with speed and just go straight to the center of him, and, and you know, being a bull rush. It's mm-hmm. it's a it's a cat mouse game. You got to, you know, you got to be spent thinking two or three plays ahead, and you got to also have a standard though. If speed is your standard, you got to be able to go back to it, so you can have you can set the other two things up. All right, very good. Always love to hear these coaching things from you, guy. Uh, let's move on here. Let's talk packages for a while. Okay. Okay, so the Ravens uh, have used their base package a little bit in recent weeks, particularly, what was it, a couple games ago when they played it 22 times against the 49ers. Well, they used it six times against the Jets, and it was interesting. They used it when the Jets inserted a sixth offensive lineman, which they did nine times in this game. Jets, by the way, very short on tight ends. So they had Ryan Ryan Griffin, Ryan Griffin, I think that's correct, go on IR because they had four doubtfuls and four outs on their injury report. And mm-hmm. you can you can only deactivate seven, of course. So they were really at, at the end of the line. They could have either dressed only 45 for the game or they could have, you know, uh, released, sorry, not released, IR'd Griffin as they did and pick up another body, which which is what they actually decided to do. So they had Dan Brown, the ex-Raven, playing some tight end. They had another guy named Wesco playing some tight end. But these guys have hardly played the whole year. I mean, they, they played between them, they played about 300 snaps the whole year. So rather than have them in all the time, they brought in an extra tackle to play McDermott to play a six-man line with this group. And that's when the Ravens inserted a lot of this base package. So they had six, six snaps of that. And uh, they did fine with that. I'm not looking at the actual numbers right now, unfortunately, but they allow, let's see, 3.8 yards per play on those six plays uh, wasn't terrible. I thought what happened with the nickel was much more interesting, much more interesting. So the Ravens in the first half played with a standard nickel package. When I say standard nickel package, they've got two inside linebackers, two defensive linemen, and two outside linebackers, and then the nickel secondary. Mm Mm-hmm. They played 15 snaps of that. All of those were in the first half. They all had Bynes and Owasso in at those two inside linebacker spots. So they're really trying to present a front that will stop the Jets' run game. Mm -hmm. In the second half, they obviously made an adjustment because they didn't play any of that. And they went to only the jumbo nickel, which they played once in the first half, the very first play of the game. The 3-3-5 nickel, which basically says, I'm, I'm going to take out an inside linebacker, in this case, Owasso, mm-hmm. and I'm going to turn him into a defensive lineman instead. And they did that for the for the second half for nine plays. They were effective stopping the run, but more importantly, that decision represents a very conscious choice relative to Owasso on, you know, his, and his status on this team. Yeah, because uh, Peanut is... He started off not good, came back from his injury and played lights out that first game, played okay the next game, but his play has been declining since coming back from injury. 
And um, especially when you can drop down Clark and he can kind of do some of the same things Peanut do, it's it's going to hurt. It's hurting his playing time because we expect him to play a certain way, to fill a certain role at that, that, that linebacker spot. And he just he's not doing it right now for some for some strange reason. Yeah, he's a little, he's undersized. I guess we always knew that to to be playing Chuck, that position. Chuck, Chuck's smaller than him, though. Yeah, that's true. He's a good he's a good tackler and a and a you know a good run defender for for knowing where he's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. I, I think maybe that's part of the problem too is that Chuck gives you something in coverage in terms of being able to move back, recognize that what route combinations might be coming up from just observing the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Owasso really gives you that. I think in coverage. You better be telling him you're covering that guy, right. and then he can do it. And and even when he knows who he's supposed to cover, like a running back, particularly when they move to the outside, I find him to be ponderous to react relative to his actual speed. Right. So I, I'm, you know, that's just a problem I have with that. He he he. T- t- he bulked up to play the linebacker position, but what for what he's got in bulk, he's lost in flexibility and agility. So he just can't cover like he used to. All right. All right. Okay, they played the dime 23 times in this game. That was Clark mostly at safety. Um, there's a, they, they play two basic subsets of time. They play a uh, – sorry, when I say Clark at safety, there's Carr at safety with Clark moving up into that dime back spot. Um, they play two different versions of that, though. They play this this modified race car, the way they have four outside linebackers and one defensive lineman. So we talked about that. They did that 10 times in this game. But they also did it 13 times where they play a kind of a more standard 41 front with one inside linebacker. Mm-hmm. So those are typically with Fort on the field uh, that that was done. Uh, both were approximately equally successful in this game. I don't know that there's an example to be had against Buffalo was very different. And, and I, I don't you weren't. You weren't here last week, uh, but Buffalo against the pass, 20 dime snaps had eight total yards wow. against 20 damn dime snaps passing. But they also ran the ball nine times against the, the dime. And Buffalo, very power heavy run schemes, lots of pulling guards, lots of double pulls. Mm-hmm. Uh, they ran for 9.7 yards per run when they ran on those nine plays. So Jekyll and Hyde in terms of what that defense did, but uh, but uh, the results against the pass were amazing. Well, when you think dime, you think of defending the pass anyway. Sure. If they if, if they run the ball against that, most of the time it's uh, a bunch of a bunch of DBs in, and if you can get to second level, especially with a lineman, you know it's 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 success to be had. But when you think of dime, you think of stopping the pass. Yeah, there you go. That's exactly right. The, the big play, they had the 38-yard run by Singletary. There were actually two missed tackles by DBs on the play, getting them down to the two-yard line. And then in order to get the dime defense off the field, Chuck Clark had to take an intentional neutral zone infraction penalty sure to, to, to get that swapped out. So Let, let me guess, was um, Peters one of those missed tackles on Singletary? Yeah, Peter. Peters at eight yards and and uh, Thomas at 32 on the on the 38-yard run. Yeah, I think that's his only weakness, though, right now. Peters. Yes. Yeah, he's playing great. Yep, completely agree. All right, the quarter defense, they did. Anthony Levine has lost his snaps basically to the new dime package where Carr is moving to play safety. Mm -hmm. Anthony Levine's kind of lost his playing time, but he does get a little playing time back in the quarter, and he played four, they played four snaps of that in this game. And one of those was Clark's interception near the end of the half. So he gets a little bit of playing time. It's kind of sad after the great year he had last year that he doesn't get in as much as he used to. Mm hmm. 
But I mean, it's it, we evolved. The teams evolved. We can't we can't do the same things because I'm sure they had it figured out. And everybody's role is different because of the personnel. If you if you threw CJ back in the middle of our defense again, Levine could probably do some of the same things he did. Um, we probably have a better pass rush because he'd be lining folks up and then he could still stop the run. But we just don't have that guy in the middle to 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 have the same success. Yeah. So that, Wink has done a good job of plugging and playing and playing to certain guys' strengths and and just being masterful with his calls. So here's here's a question for you, and I, I often have this come up as kind of a GM question. You have two options. You, you can have Mosley and maybe have a little bit more success out of your weak side linebacker position. Mm-hmm. Or you don't have Mosley, but you also don't have a $17 million contract, and you can sign four guys or maybe even five guys to fill that I, ILB role through a, through a combination of a dime back like Clark Mm-hmm. A uh, a pair of maybe weak side linebacker platoon players that go along with that, like a Fort and an Owasso, we'll call it. Mm-hmm. You've got a Mike in Bynes, and sometimes you're not going to have a Mike on the field, or maybe your Mike is Fort in a dime. Um, given the savings you get versus the upgrade in talent you get with Mosley, where would you be on spending that money? Would you spend the money at another position, like say yeah. if you could, if that was the money you could have to spend to sign Peters for? And I'm speaking from a GM term or a coach term? You, you tell me. If I'm speaking from a GM term, I take the, the extra guys. You, t- you take the more guys? I take the more guys. Okay, yeah. Because they're probably, those salaries combined probably won't be his $17 million. Right, so the question is, so you, you get to have, basically you get to have Mosley, you either get to have some, a journeyman DV, journeyman cornerback. So let's say your third cornerback ends up being uh, Maurice Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Or your, uh, or you can have Peters there, but then you don't get Mosley at inside linebacker. So you have to make a choice between Peters and Mosley, but otherwise you're you're filling those roles with, with platoon type players. Yeah, as a, as a coach, I would rather have Mosley. Okay, because Mosley I know rather than Peters, he's gonna get the calls right. He's gonna lead everybody lined up, and then we got you know a good amount of DBs without Peters, especially mm-hmm. if, if I'm thinking you know Tavon's still you know healthy. But as for a GM, I take the, the the extra guys because they're playing well enough to not warrant paying seventeen million to to a guy. Okay. So, you know, coaches and GMs, they GMs look at bottom lines. Coaches <laughs> trying to win games, even though GM want to win, but they looking at bottom lines too. Okay. Well, I, if I'm feeling the constraint, owner, GM, coach, I'm I'm taking the platoon role at inside linebacker because I think it's one of the few positions on the field you can save mm-hmm. and not lose that much. You have to be sure you have a signal caller, and the Ravens do have one. And now in Clark, I think they trust. But you, but if you once you're past that need, then I think you you I think you do better saving there. I think it's harder to save money at cornerback with a lesser player. Let me ask you a question then. Sure. Draft coming up. Do we do you go after inside linebacker? Is that your priority? Not not a number one. It would never would be. Gotcha. Yeah, I I take uh you know, I think there there's another position I would I really would almost never draft with a number one and that's a guard. Mm-hmm. Um but I think you know, you draft an offensive tackle, you draft a free safety, you draft a top cornerback. Those positions are usually worth it. Top pass rusher certainly. Uh I I I obviously a quarterback, but but I based on what they have right now, 
I, I would not go inside linebacker. I, I go pass rush. Okay. Yeah. How about you? Uh, I, I'm debating on those two positions, pass rush and inside linebacker, because I'm think it depends on what happens with Judon. If Judon leaves, I'm trying to get the best pass rush I can in that first round. And if he stays, I may look toward inside linebacker. It, it depends on Judon. Okay. Well, the Steelers, of course, just traded a, a, a mint to get Devin Bush mm-hmm. uh, in terms of uh, what well, they give away their first round pick to move up. But then I think also a two and a three. It might have mm-hmm. been. So they, they traded way up to get Devin Bush at number 10. Mm-hmm. And then they also traded what effectively is a similar total value in picks to get um, uh, Minka Fitzpatrick. Mm-hmm. So when I look at it, they've kind of made that choice and an equivalent. It's not exactly correct because Minka had four years left and they gained some additional salary advantages from it. It's not a complete apples to apples comparison. Mm-hmm. But I think they've kind of said that the free safety is just as valuable to the inside linebacker as the inside linebacker, even though they drafted one so highly last year. Yeah, I, I agree. Those because just like baseball, if you if you, defensively, if you're going to be good, you got to be good up the middle. And football-wise, that's D-tackle, Mike Linebacker, free safety. And keep in mind, Devin's only been playing Mike Linebacker. For, this will be his fourth year playing Mike Linebacker. Devin was a uh, high school running back. Mm-hmm. So you expect him to get better, and I would too. I do. Uh, and and same thing probably with Minka. I think, unfortunately, I really thought that the, the Steelers had burned themselves on the Minka trade, but now it looks like a pretty pretty damn good deal. Yeah, I, I watched uh, a Brent Coleman's thing about Minka Fitzpatrick today. And it was amazing. It was amazing to see the impact he's had with those guys, you know, that fast. Is it a is it a um, uh, film analysis link? Yeah, it's film. It's called he he called it the film room. Okay, he called it the film room. So, send yeah. me a link. Send me a link on that after the show, if you would please. We'll do. We'll do. Let's see it. All right. Um, what should we talk about now? How about some individual performances? We always love to do this. You okay. pick a player, and we'll talk through it. Um, in my pregame show I did yesterday, I talked about I thought my defensive star was going to be Jahar Ward, and when he got the um, was this the did he force the fumble early? He he picked it up. He he recovered it. He recovered. He okay recovered the fumble, and I was like, okay, I'm I'm psychic, and then he kind of disappeared. <laughs> but um, I like just his consistency though. He's doing something every game to let you know he's out there and making plays. So I I really like Jahar Ward, and he's a He's a tweener. He's not a super thick like um, Pierce and Williams, but he's not a small guy either. He's he got a nice build on him. He mm-hmm. can play with strength, and he still plays with speed. And he has a motor. He, yeah. Whatever amount of snaps he gets, he go hard like every snap. Yeah, I, I I've loved watching him play, and I like his length. The fact that he can play on the inside is very valuable in the way the Ravens wanted to play four outside linebackers on on those passing downs. He's one. He and Ferguson move inside now, mm-hmm. and they keep their two Sam guys outside, which makes perfect sense in terms of all the flexibility for dropping people to coverage. Yes, and then and then beyond that, um, Ward has I, I, how, how to describe it. He's he's always seems to get just enough pressure to be in the in the right space to make a play which mm-hmm. means he's he's a kind of a natural cleanup guy to me he's had a forced fumble uh, sorry a fumble recovery each of the last two games mm-hmm. where he's where he's forced his way into the backfield and been there to you know pounce on the fumble when it occurred in fact 
you might even have to be angry as a coach. I, I, how do you teach kids these days in terms of dropping on a fumble as opposed to picking it up and gaining one additional yard with it? Because <laughs> that's what he seems to do. All you can do is just work the scoop and score drill. It's some, okay. it's the way the ball bounces is, is crazy. You can roll the ball the same way 25 times, leaving your hand, and it may not bounce the same way twice. So it's really just their hand-eye coordination, and if the ball comes up off the ground enough for them to pick it up and go. It's, what a- what, what about the general – do you have any general rules for bigger players in terms of you need to fall on the ball, you, you're allowed to run with it? You want all of them to scoop and score. And you don't – and as a coach, you don't really even complain about it until they try to scoop and score and miss it. Okay. That, that's when you – because you, you don't – I've never heard a defensive line coach just say jump on the ball. They all preach scoop and score. And then when they miss it, here comes. You should have just stood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there's there's no in my eyes there's no rhyme or reason to doing it unless the guy's just completely unathletic. Mm-hmm. But the best plays in football is a big man with the football. So <laughs> I want him to scoop and score. All right, very good. We got a couple of years ago. I don't know if you remember this, but Tim Jernigan in the game at New York, and I forget if it was sixteen or seventeen. It was one of those two years. Uh, scooped the ball at the three-yard line, his own three-yard line, looped back through the end zone and back out to his own three-yard line again, and then fumbled so the Jets recovered it again. <laughs> that, that, that did not make him popular with, uh, with Harbaugh, but I thought actually it was, it was a, um, a reasonable decision to come out of the end zone. Obviously, maybe you'd rather he just fall on the ball at the two-yard line, Mm-hmm. But if he, if he if he had actually gone into the end zone, he might have gotten a touchback based on the impetus rules, you know, because right. you, you go back in. But he came out of the end zone again, and that's when the fumble occurred. Anyway, it would have required a really lawyerly or even official level understanding of the impetus rules for him to know that he could have gotten a, a touchback and not okay. a safety if he just stayed in there. So I don't right. think that's reasonable to expect of a player. But Harbaugh is really on him about that. And the next week – he was out in an interview saying, you know, anytime that ball comes to me now, I'm just jumping on a phone. I'm not taking risk in any of this. <laughs> yeah, that's good. All right, I'll take a guy because I was really impressed with his performance. Damata Pecco in this game, six tackles and just 20 snaps. He's been a very stout run defender, uh, but this is really one of his better career games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he's done a lot, too. He's in that same body frame as Ward, plays hard, uh, high motor. And he just happened to be in the right spot, you know, to to make these tackles. Because I think I remember one play where he just straight up beat his guy and got a tackle for loss. But in other other plays, he, you know, was controlling his gap and the back just came to him. Yeah. We had some good edge setting in this game, and that's how you get rewarded as an interior player is, you know, you have Terrell Suggs or you have – uh, some of the guys the Ravens have had, Jarrett Johnson be another good one to to, to force that run inside, and then all of a sudden, whoo, there's somebody to tackle. Right. That's uh, that's the way it works. It, I, like Pecco had a couple of um, pressures in the previous week against Buffalo, but uh, but this time it was it was tackles, and and six tackles for an interior defensive lineman is an awful lot to be involved in. In fact, I look back over his career, he has done it 25 times, so he's actually been a very productive tackler. You know, in the Kelly Gregg mold in terms of his regularity of tackling career. Most in, interior defensive linemen aren't anywhere close to that in terms of, uh, you know, relative tackle. productivity. Yeah. Right. They're a big game for a defensive tackle is two, three tackles. 
Yeah. Maybe maybe a tackle for loss. Yeah. Yeah. They 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 labor there and and not with a lot of uh, reward in terms of tackles. That's for sure. The defensive stat sheet in general. Got another player? Um. Judah. I just think he's become the the leader of the of the defense. Uh, he's racking those sacks up. Um, I predicted ten for him at the end beginning of the year. I think he's close to that number, if not over it. And he's just he's going out there and producing every week, producing every playing hard. Um, you know, getting QB hurries and and getting sacks to go along with it, and making some tackles in the run game. Yeah, he's he's very instinctive in terms of knowing when there's a a um, screen pass going. He's really the only player the Ravens have who fits into that category exactly. Maybe Bynes a little bit too, but but Judon is really the guy they need on the outside. You need your outside linebacker to sniff it out mm-hmm. to, to, and say, wait a minute, everybody's getting in here too easy. I'm covering the running back kind of thing. Right. Uh, that's something Suggs would bring. But I, I'm also, you mentioned it earlier about, about his rushing from the inside linebacker position. I'm just loving the possibilities of that for this defense. You know, you have a scheme-based pass rush to start with. Part of what you need to try and do is make the offensive line not know what their assignment is, have him cross a couple of faces, and you might be in that position right away. All right. All right. You, I'll, I'll pick the next one. I'm, I'm going to go with Ward. You know, in a, we've talked about him a little bit in terms of what he did in this game, the second street game with a forced fumble. The other thing that he did that was really nice is he, he took the penalty for the illegal blindside block. And that happened because – he was in the right place to move up on Darnold, and Harrison just slammed him. So you gotta you gotta be in that right place to be held, for example. And you don't you don't wish an illegal blindside block on anybody because of the injury risk associated with it. But because he was in the right place, he drew that personal foul. Hey, all all penalties that go against I mean for us, I'm I'm for it because we <laughs> we've known in the past to be a high penalty team. Yeah, there you go. I also like the fact I was um I don't know who I was talking to, but they were the Jets were driving and somebody said that Chuck Clark was gonna get a interception, at, you know, to stop this drive. And I looked at him like, Really? And but then two plays it happened. There you go. <laughs> so Chuck, hey, I'm sorry for doubting you and I appreciate you. Whatever you whatever the call was gets you in a position to make that pick, I appreciate you. Cause uh, that he, that changed the game a little bit. He has done it all now in terms of Last week at Buffalo, he had a big pressure game, four pressures, and a was it a quarterback hit or a sack for him? It was a quarterback hit for him. Thomas had the sack, uh, and and he's and he, he does great things in coverage. He does good things in the run game. I mean, just he's been a remarkably polished and complete safety. And my question for you about Chuck Clark is: Is this the time? Would you sign him now to to a long term extension? He's is the end of the third year. You can get it done. Maybe have some divisible benefit gain there, meaning that you know the the he he won't get exactly the money he would get in a long term deal that he would sign after year four, but he gets the security of getting it a year early. I would I would attempt to anyway, before before the price went up, depending on how his next year went, because he he's playing good now, but not at a level that he could command a bunch of money. So I would I would try to lock him in now, especially for what he's done for us since putting on the green dot. Yeah, just the fact that he's a signal caller, you, you you buy a lot of continuity for that contract if you can if you can get him. And so far, as far as I know, he hasn't been a guy who's been injured. So you know, it's it's definitely a a guy you want to uh, take extra 
chances on in terms of that. Yeah, I remember him coming out of um, maybe the game last week. Um, not for long, though, because when he came out, I was wondering. One who, who, oh, it was one play. I was wondering who was going to wear the dot. So, but I, that, that was last week, right? Yeah. Okay. So I thought he was hurt, but I was—I guess it was just a helmet issue or something. But he came right back. Yeah, I said, yeah, you're right. A shoe issue, exactly what it was. All right. Uh, I think that's probably enough on on individual performances. Unless you have somebody else you want to bring up. Um, no, that's all for the defense. Okay. All right. How about MVPs? You want to go three to one on this? Uh, that's fine. Okay. MV, my MVP for the game, I think, would have to be the guy you mentioned earlier, Pickle. Okay. We're making those, you know, 20, 20 snaps and getting six tackles from a defensive tackle position. That's pretty, imp- pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. Okay. So he's my number one guy, too. He's your number one guy, I'm assuming, right? Yes. Okay. I'm, I'm only going to pick one anyway. He's my uh, number one. <laughs> all right. That's fine. I, I'll talk about one more guy who had a really good game, I thought, was Jalen Ferguson. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he had a better run defense game than I've noted because I was really watching the edge setting in this game, and I've got about four or five positive edge setting notes for him. Only one really where he uh, was part of getting blocked on a 15-yard run by Bell. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, I thought he had an excellent game. He, did, he contributed a couple quarterback hits. They weren't super fast ones, but there's something. And three other pressures as I scored it during the game. So a nice pressure game, nice edge-setting game for Jalen Ferguson. Probably his best game as a Raven. Yes, yes, I agree. Okay, My number three guy was Ward. We both talked about him a fair amount already. We can let that one go. Josh, how are you doing with the mailbag for us? All right, just a couple questions here in the mailbag. And first one, uh, you guys haven't really touched and kind of what everyone took away as the negative and when you got to pull something negative away from such a big victory is the special teams. Is mm-hmm. special teams something you guys are concerned about? Is that something that the Ravens can address over these 10 days? I think the Jets uh, came with a, a good game plan special team-wise. We normally are sure special team-wise because of um, Harbaugh being a special teams guy. But I think they just they just happen to have a good game because we, you know, had this been a, uh, 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 a, a multiple occurrence, I would be worried. But this is like an anomaly. We we haven't had these special teams mishaps, you know, all season. So I think he'll get his shirt up because he was asked about it um, post game, and he was I think he was a little perturbed about it. So I think they'll get that cleaned up. Yeah, so the punt block was on – it was on some sort of a stunt on the punt block that this happened. He said, should have gotten it blocked. We didn't. But that point has been made that they'll be coaching done. You know, they did block a field goal in this game. Ricard blocked a field goal, so they did something good. But they also missed an extra point. That wasn't good. Uh, so, you know, combination of some uh, not-so-great stuff going on. Obviously, I, I, if, if there's anything I would be moderately concerned about it getting worse, it's that kick coverage. Because they're just they are not staying in their lanes to cover kicks, and they they gave up I don't know how many you know returns that were out past the thirty yard line in this game. So uh, it's just not normal. So I I not why I don't know why, but um, if I'm not mistaken, we used to get those kickoffs out the back of the end zone. Why are they even returning them? Because I know earlier in the year they were trying to sky kick it and trying to cover it, but when that wasn't happening, why don't we just go back to kicking it out of the end zone right i guess part of the thing was is but about freezing in baltimore it's like 33 at game time so mm-hmm. it might have been a problem that that the tucker didn't have the kind of leg to get it get it through the end zone it's justin tucker see so you, you would 
I've been hearing other things about Tucker possibly nursing an injury right now. I don't know mm. what what to put into it, but they obviously have not had to use him for a lot of field goals, period, this year. Mm-hmm. He's he's missed a couple of extra points. He made the huge kick from 49 yards that would tell you eh, nothing is really wrong here. But he hasn't made a bunch of 55s and 57s and 59s this year. It's been it's been shorter kicks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm just I'm wondering, you know, what it is. They have a great offense. So, you know, you have fourth and three from the let's just pick a yard line, the 36 yard line. You might you might want to go for it on fourth and three rather than try and kick a 54 yard field goal. It makes all kinds of sense, given who the Ravens are offensively. Right. But but it also kind of makes me a little worried because that's kind of automatic range for Tucker over the years. Now, with the Ravens being more aggressive, he hasn't been called upon for those long field goal that's, tries right, this year either. That's right. what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, at M&T Stadium, last year they added those scoreboards in the corners. Does that change? That has to do something with change how that wind spins around. You know, I, I've, I've heard that said, and that's often been one of the things that's been pointed to on missing the extra point against the Saints that lost the game. Right. Is that there was some very localized wind current that moved, you know, pushed the ball to the right of the, uh, <laughs> right of the uprights. I really don't know how to how to explain the thing, frankly. Yeah, I I know that I know that. However, Oriole Park is built. There's many times where it's raining everywhere in Baltimore except right there, because of how it's <laughs> a little bit off the water. Huh. Um, all right, how do you? How would you guys handle the next few weeks between rest and routine? With having a, a mini buy now, then play week sixteen. Hopefully, rest, be able to rest your starters week seventeen. Then get a buy. How do you? How do you balance rest versus routine to make sure this team's going in healthy, rested, but also still hot and moving like they've been for the past so, so many weeks? So uh, I think we play. You know, try to win this game. Um, against Cleveland. One for revenge, two for the lockdown, that number one seed. <laughs> and week 17, selfishly, because that'll be my first time going to m and um, I'm actually, will be there for the Steelers game. Oh, cool. Uh, I would want to at least see them play a half because I don't want those guys to be off of football for two straight weeks. That's That's a long time not to play football. You know, and then not to you know, just to lose your 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 bearings as far as the game time and game speed, because you don't want to take a quarter or a half to get your your wits back about you in a playoff game. You may be down thirty points by then. So, uh, are you thinking, concerned about Marshall Yonda that happening to him? Not at all. Okay. Not 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 with Yonda. I mean, as overall, I'm speaking as overall, but there's some individuals that I think could could handle it. Yonda being one of them. Um, I think uh, defensive tackles could could jump right back in there and, and do it. But um, our young young players that, like a Hollywood, um, uh, our cornerbacks, our I, I just don't think those guys could – Earl could take off and, and do that. But I just don't think as a whole all of them can take off for two weeks and still be – like jump right back into a game one and be ready. You, you have some opportunities to get some of the backups playing time at the least. So if they play – a quarter, a quarter and a half, is that enough then to put Iman Marshall in at cornerback for Jimmy Smith and to put, uh, you know, Anthony Averett maybe, and maybe mm-hmm. you, you you start by sitting Humphrey or you start by sitting one of the older, one, Smith would be the obvious veteran to sit, wouldn't he, because he's the oldest of the group. Yes, yes. Uh, so 
I, I just like half, to see some of those guys. Half, half, half and max. Half would be the most, I would say, if if we win the next game versus Cleveland. A half should be the max that those guys play, with Lamar being one of the first guys to come out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that sounds right. So you, you you keep your regular offensive line in place effectively until Lamar goes out. Of course, you you, you have seven inactive, so you're going to want to deactivate seven veteran players. I would think, mm-hmm. not, not necessarily, but you you, you might want to do that. I think I think uh, Yondo may be a deactivate for that game. But what? You know what? Why? Why has not? Why is Powers not? Yeah, ideal. You know, I, I don't really know the reason. I'm, I'm concerned about it, obviously. And now they've got, uh, you know, two guys who weren't on the team at the start of the year. Ehinger, uh, who's who's in there uh, declaring himself eligible on every play. And, and uh, uh, who's the other who's the other guy? It's not uh, Ronis Grasso. Was he active for this last game? He, uh, he, I don't remember seeing his name on the inactive list. So maybe. Yeah. So it's uh, he, he I don't remember it either. I can look there right now. So. Yep, Grasso was active. That's awful. And Ben Powers and Stanley were the two inactive offensive linemen. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't say good things about Ben that he's he's inactive behind Ronis Grasso because we've, we've pretty much seen who he is, I think. Mm-hmm. So uh, Does your Week yeah. 17 decision, is it affected at all with whether or not the Steelers are still fighting for a playoff spot? Not one little bit. Nope. All right, so you, you're looking yeah. just past them and not worried about keeping them out or anything, just – Keep going. You know, all the playoff teams are good. I don't think the Steelers are any better than the next one. What, what's your feeling about that? You know, if, 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 let's say it's down to the Steelers or Tennessee in terms of making the playoffs. Do you have a strong feeling about either of those? I think the Steelers present the bigger problem stopping us running because they have a good front seven. Their defense up front is, is pretty darn good. I think they they have a better defense than Tennessee, and Tennessee doesn't they don't strike fear in my in my mind at all. But the Steelers do. Okay, all right. Tennessee's come back into the race with a very potent offense led by mm-hmm. Tannehill. So I, I'm I'm not sure. I, I'm admittedly I kind of like the idea of him being forced to throw into the teeth of our defense. Mm-hmm. But uh, but on the other hand, I'm. I'm, I don't kind of like the, the nature of the high-risk, high-reward it would bring into individual play. So I, I think I'm with you that I would probably more not like to play, face the Steelers in the playoffs. <laughs> Where are you? In, if, let's say, let's well, say you, you rank your choices. You, you've got four teams you might play, the, the Texans, the Titans, the Bills, or the Steelers. One to four, how would you do them? I'm going to write that down, too. I, I'd rather play Tennessee. Uh-huh. Um. Secondly, I'd rather play the Texans. Um, Pittsburgh's last, and who was that? Third, who was that other team? Uh, Buffalo. Then, then Buffalo, because I, Buffalo, I didn't think, I thought Buffalo was going to be an extremely close game because they're okay. they're decent defense defensively. Yeah, but I, I, I don't want to play Pittsburgh. Okay, don't want to play Pittsburgh. And my order is similar, but but I put Buffalo at the team I would most like to face. Okay. Tennessee second, Houston third, and Pittsburgh last. I think we didn't face Houston with their full complement of receivers. So if they have all three of those guys, I think Watson will have more weapons to mm-hmm. to work it out. And to add to the Pittsburgh fear, 
you've got that whole week 17, then you play them again right after, yeah. similar to last year with the Chargers. They'll have yep. to play in between somewhere yes, else. But they've yeah, got to right. play, but you're right. It's still, you don't want them coming in with that confidence that we, we, we beat them in M&T two weeks ago. We can do it again. Right. All right, well, that takes care of the mailbag. Coach, let's get your plugs in again. Sippy the Tally. <laughs> yeah, Sip the Tally Films on, on YouTube and uh, on Twitter is Coach Evans 9. All right. And I, I, I did take your advice after I was on last time. I do have a no block, no rock T-shirt. There on you my go. <laughs> there you All go. Right. Okay. All right, I'll, I'll find that. Well, uh, that's great. All right, Ken, I saw you've already got the defensive breakdown up on filmstudybaltimore.com. Yep, it's out there. A lot of the stuff we just talked about, but there's more there, too. And if you want to go follow along with the game, Phil, you can do it from that. All right. And different schedule for the show this week as this one's coming out Friday night, Saturday morning. And the offense will be Saturday night, Sunday morning. So we'll have some shorts on for you to get you through the 10 days without Ravens football as well. All right, guys. Well, we will talk soon. Birdland Sports. For fans, by fans. Find more great shows like this at birdlandsports.com. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch, now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture. And when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space. Just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in-store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.